Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 20, verse 19 through 21. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we begin this morning, I think it only appropriate to honor a moment of silence for the sun that was shining so beautifully Even through yesterday, I got a little sunburn even. I'm so happy about it. And then you wake up this morning and it's just gone. (laughs) So we proclaim the mystery of our faith in Chicago. The sun has come. The sun has gone. The sun will come again. It'll be fine. I'm in therapy. It's all right. (laughs) I'm wearing the sun today. Well, in ancient Greece, when it came time for the Olympic Games, a tradition that carries on even to today, back then, they gathered athletes from all around the country, and they would take the flame of the Olympic torch and carry it from one end of the country to the next to light the Olympic flame for the Games. Every individual would run their leg of the race and they would hand off the torch one to another, from a runner to a runner to a runner, all the way until that torch found its way to the altar in Olympia. Other flames, they came and went, but this one must never be extinguished, they believed. This flame they thought was special. They they felt it expressed the light of knowledge and life that gets passed on from one generation to the next. And they, these runners, they were the keepers of the flame. They were the bearers, the passers of the torch. The athletes in Olympia, they did this literally, but in a figurative sense, God does the very same thing. Since the dawn of creation, God has handed off his dream of community to a human being. And he asked them to hand it off to somebody else and them to somebody else from the beginning of time to this very day. The question God always poses to his people is, will you guard the flame? Will you pass the torch? All of us have somebody who's passed the torch to us. Maybe for you, it was a parent or a teacher. Somebody saw gifts or potential in you. Somebody gave you responsibility. Someone nurtured your faith. Someone cheered you on. That's what got all of us here. So the question is, do I have people in my life to whom I am now passing on the torch? Who am I investing in? And how am I doing it? The future of our church, the future of any church, depends on the passing of the torch. Well, if you can believe it, we are in week 15 of our Long Story Short Sermon series. 
We've taken the long story of Scripture, the whole Bible, and we've squeezed it into 17 weeks of content so that we could come to understand how the Bible all works together. This one book, it tells the story of a flame that God ignited and passed along from generation to generation. And if it's going to remain lit, we are the ones who now guard that flame. We must pass the torch. Jesus tells us how we do that in the final conversation that he had with his disciples before he was ascended to heaven. We read about that conversation in Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. In his life and in his ministry, Jesus laid out God's overarching plan for the salvation of the world. And to put it really simply, to kind of narrow it all down, it really comes down to three things. Loving God, loving people, and making disciples. So Jesus said, when somebody came to him and said, what are the two most important commandments? Well, actually, they asked, what's the one? Jesus said, there's two, right? So the first one, he said, it's love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said, the second one's like it, that we love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. But those are not the only things that Jesus commanded. Jesus also commanded that we make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. This command that Jesus has given that we make disciples, has come to be known as the Great Commission. It's Jesus' intention that we pass on to others what we have received from him. But it's an interesting thing in our day. I think most of us, if you asked, you know, regular churchgoers, okay, what what are the things Jesus wants us to do most? Those first two, the love God, love others thing, we'd be able to get that pretty quick. But for a lot of us, this Great Commission, Jesus' command to make disciples, has all but been forgotten. There's a group uh, called the Barna Group. They're a research company that explores issues of faith and culture in our world, and they actually conducted a study on this recently. We've got some graphics to show what they have learned. They asked where they were surveying churchgoers, regular Christian churchgoers in the United States, and they asked if they had previously heard of the Great Commission. And you can see there, over half said, no, Have you heard of the Great Commission? Nope, haven't heard of it. 17% there said, yeah, oh no, sorry, not 17%, 25% said, yeah, I've heard of it, but I I don't know what it means. And then six, just, nope, not sure what it is. So if you look at that, that is a significant portion of that pie that regular churchgoers really kind of aren't sure. Either they don't know at all what it is, or it kind of rings a bell, but we're not sure. Only 17% of Committed Christian churchgoers know what it means. So taking a different tack, Barna also presented just a whole bunch of different scripture passages to people, again, regular churchgoers, 
words of Jesus. If we can get that slide up there on the screen. They were given this list, these words of Jesus, and they said, which one of these is the Great Commission? And you can see up top there, 37% of churchgoers were able to identify it. They saw those words there and said, yep, that one's the Great Commission. But then they're down at the bottom. They're like, no, I'm not sure if any of those are the Great Commission. And then a whole lot of people in between kind of unsure. So I just want to say, if you get nothing else out of this message today, if in some weird circumstance, somebody from the Barna group comes to you and asks, do you know what the Great Commission is? The people of Knox Presbyterian Church will be able to confidently say that, yes, I know, the Great Commission. That's where Jesus said, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Right? You got it? Can you promise me that? All right, thank you. However, more important than knowing that the Great Commission exists is knowing what it means and how we live it out. So that's what we're going to talk about the rest of this message today. And going a little rogue here on you, I've got not three, but four points. So get ready. When, you, when I get to the three and you're thinking, great, I get to go to lunch, there's a fourth. So keep your ears tuned. But here's what they are. Who gives this Great Commission? What are we commissioned to do? How do we go about doing it? And what is the end result? So first, who gives this great commission? The answer to that question is none other than the risen Christ, the one who conquered sin and death, the one who introduces himself in this moment by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want to think about together what that means. Jesus said, all authority. The Greek word here is exousia. And it means absolute power, complete jurisdiction. All authority in heaven and on earth. That means that this absolute power and complete jurisdiction is greater than any other power in the universe. It's at work in heaven. It's at work here on earth. No one and no thing is outside of this authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. God, the Almighty One, the, the maker of heaven and earth, has given complete and total authority to his Son, to Jesus. So from Wall Street to Washington, D.C., from Shanghai to Syria, from San Francisco to Philadelphia, every circumstance, every situation, every factor is under Jesus authority. So who gives this great commission? None other than the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So the second question then is, what are we commissioned to do? The answer is found in verse 19. It says, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want you to notice something here with me. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. He does not say, go make nice people. He doesn't even say, go make churchgoers. He really, and I'm, some of us might be bothered by this, he really doesn't say, go make Presbyterians. 
No, what Jesus says is make disciples. So what's a disciple? Well, one of the best definitions I've come across says this. A disciple is one who responds in faith and obedience to the gracious call to follow Jesus Christ. Being a disciple is a lifelong process of dying to self while allowing Jesus Christ to come alive in us. So the first step in all of this is that we must be disciples. We need to respond in faith and obedience to the gracious call of Jesus Christ. We need, not just need, but get to enter into joyfully the lifelong process of dying to ourselves, yes, but then allowing Jesus Christ to come alive in us. I want to say, if you have not yet made that commitment to become a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, or if you're not sure, Dave and I would love nothing more than to have a conversation with you to talk about how you might take a step toward becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus didn't just say, be disciples. Now, the word he used there was make disciples. Make disciples. So that means we got some work to do. Making disciples, as Jesus commands, means that we're committing ourselves to inviting and encouraging others for them to respond in faith and obedience to Jesus as well so that they can become his disciples too. So that leads to the third question. How do we do that? How do we make disciples? Well, Jesus says that we do it by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Got two things here. We carry out the Great Commission by baptizing. Baptizing those who put their trust in Jesus, whether they be children of believing parents or those who come to Christ as adults. It's really, really important that we regularly give people opportunities to say yes to following Jesus, whether they're brand new to faith, coming back to faith, recommitting to faith, or, or, or any other journey in between. We all kind of have our different ways of coming to Jesus, but we need to give people those entry points. And we carry out the Great Commission by teaching, teaching others what Jesus taught us. And the point of that teaching isn't just so people can walk away with, you know, some neat head knowledge, something to win trivia night, right? But the teaching has a point. The teaching, Jesus says, is that people would obey everything that he commanded us. The goal of our teaching is life change. The goal of all of our teaching, whether it be here in a sermon or a Sunday school class, a small group or a Bible study, all of the, the point of all of that is that we might be shaped by that, that we might be inspired by that, that we might be motivated and given the tools, the practical steps that we can live out a life of faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the Great Commission is about passing on that torch, that flame that was ignited by God, passed on to the disciples by Jesus, and then passed on and on and on from one generation to the next to you and me today. 
So just for a minute here to get really practical, I want to take a minute to brag on some of you. Some people here in this church, this community of faith, who are those torch bearers, the kind of unsung heroes among us, who are passing on that flame of faith in Jesus Christ, making disciples here in our midst. And there's a risk, because if you name any names, then there's like 18 other names that you're not saying. And I'll tell you, I was polling the staff this week to kind of get some stories, and there were way more than we had time for to get you out for lunch. So humor me as I name just a few, and come tell me more. I'd love to hear more stories. But I'll tell you, when I think of the Great Commission here in this church, I think about Josh Weir and Carol Pfeiffer. And if you don't know Josh and Carol, I guarantee you you've at least seen them and or gotten an email from them. Because Josh and Carol lead our outreach and membership council. Together they lead an incredible ministry of welcome. Carol oversees our greeters. And Carol, I think, is one of the best greeters there is. She's one of those people, she kind of, kind of is using like both eyes in different ways at the same time. She's seeing everybody that comes in all at once, but she's also seeing every individual. Do you know what I mean? She's not seeing just the crowd, she's seeing every person in the crowd, and she's treating them as the individuals that we all are. And I, I, I saw one day, I was out just in the commons doing something, talking to people, and I look up and I see Carol has left her station. And she's not by herself, she's with a young mom who's visiting the church for the first time. And this young mom has like a toddler, you know, in one hand and the, the baby carrier thing that makes just one of your arms really strong as you're trying to carry that thing. But she wants to make sure that this mom can find her way with her kids from the door to the nursery, which when you're new feels like about a mile. So Carol left her station to walk that mom to the nursery to make sure that they felt welcome and at home. Josh takes on the role, uh, one of the things he does on this committee is every single person, if you as a visitor leave your email address for us, Josh sends a personal email on Monday. Just saying, hey, saw that you were here, super glad you guys came. He ends up, you know, if they email back and ask questions, he answers and he can, you know, just continues to kind of kindly, without pressure, reach out and invite him to come back. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was just about a month ago that we had a new member class that had over 20 people in it. Over 20 people who were exploring and then some of them who made the commitment to live out their discipleship to Jesus Christ here in this church all because of Josh and Carol. When I think about the Great Commission here at Knox, I think of Frank Mayer. A few years ago when Frank was our elder for building and grounds, there was a young family who moved into one of the houses that Knox owns here next door. And so in his role of elder for building and grounds, he wanted to make sure the house was all in good working order for the family. But Frank didn't just care for the house. He cared for that family inside the house, and they were going through a hard time. And so Frank, just when he showed up, he regularly and consistently invited them to bring their kids, they had two young ones at the time, just bring them here to our children's program. And he invited them next time he came to fix whatever had gone wrong in the house. He said, oh, yep, fix the sink. Why don't you bring your kids to church? Came back another time, fixed the light thing that had gone out. Why don't you bring your kids to church? And I'll she told me, she was like, he was hesitant. They weren't Presbyterians. They'd never come here. They weren't sure. And Frank just kind of kept persistently inviting. And finally, they gave in. And 
they brought their kids to church. And it was one of those things, it was just like instantaneous. Those, the kids, they came, they loved it, they never wanted to stop coming. Eventually the, the parents started coming too, and to the end that this mom, when I was talking with her last week, she told me, you know, Knox is the place where I feel the most safe. All because of Frank Mayer. When I think about the Great Commission, I think of Chris and Beth Schlegel. And if you know the Schlegels, I'm kind of glad they're not here in the room today because they'd be really mad at me <laughs> for saying this. But it has to be said. Because between the two of them, I think we've got almost every generation of young people being discipled. <laughs> Chris likes working with our younger kids. He's teaching Sunday school today. He says that the older kids scare him. And Beth works with our high school students, and she is on our confirmation class weekend of decision right now. So Chris and Beth, they, if you just see them interact with their kids, you can see how well they are loved by our kids. Beth will say that the high schoolers love her because she bribes them with baked goods, which she does. But anybody who knows any high schooler knows that teenagers' affections cannot be bought that easily. Yes, she bribes them with baked goods, but that's not why they love her. They love Beth because she loves them. And Chris is loved by our kids because he brings his best to every Sunday school class. I was talking to somebody as I was kind of, you know, I'm new here, I was gathering the stories this week, and somebody told me that uh, they knew somebody who was co-teaching with Chris for a while, kind of going in and just helping in the Sunday school class, and they were just like, floored by every week he came with this new and fun, exciting activity that brought the story alive for the kids. And they were like, how do you do that? And he just said, well, I don't know. I just think about what my kids would have liked, and I do that. I mean, from the excitement that our kids, I mean, you see them running out, heading to Sunday school, from the excitement that they bring to going to Sunday school, whatever Chris is doing, it's working. Now, Chris and Beth, they began volunteering with our children and youth ministries when their own kids were little. They led their own kids at Sunday school and confirmation and youth group and retreats. But here's the thing. Chris and Beth's kids are now well into their 20s. They are not a part of our children or youth ministries anymore, and yet Chris and Beth still are. They started by discipling their own children, and now they are discipling ours. And as a parent, I got to tell you, I am so very grateful. I can't begin to count the number of children and teenagers who know that they are loved by God and Jesus Christ, all because of Chris and Beth. Again, I'm telling you, the stories could go on and on and on. So please, if you know of more, I'd love to hear about it. But for the sake of time, we'll review. Who gives this great commission? None other than the resurrected Son of God, Jesus Christ. What are we commissioned to do? We are commissioned to be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. How do we go about doing it? by baptizing and teaching to obey Jesus. But there's one more thing. We carry out the Great Commission by baptizing and teaching, yes, but also by remembering. Remembering. Remember, Jesus said. Remember, I am with you always. Always.
to the very end of the age. See, left to ourselves, we are incapable of carrying out the Great Commission. Left to ourselves, there's no way we're ever going to accomplish something as huge as making disciples of all nations. But the reality is we are not left to ourselves. We are not expected to carry out the Great Commission on our own. As we live out the Great Commission, as we go and make disciples of all nations, we do not go on our own. Jesus Christ is with us. He said, I am with you always, always, to the very end of the age. So remember. So finally, I told you there's a fourth point, but it's a quick one. What's the end result? What happens when we carry out the Great Commission? What is the result when Jesus' followers take seriously his command to make disciples? Well, to put it quite simply and to give you a little preview for next week, what happens is the church. The church, the result is the church. The thing that gets created is an ever-expanding multicultural, multi-ethnic, mission-oriented movement of people that are centered around the person of Jesus Christ. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's what happened in the book of Acts. We read about it that even on that first day, the day of Pentecost, Peter proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ, invited people to follow, and over 3,000 people committed themselves to Christ on that day. And they started getting together. And they started worshiping together and sharing their resources together and enjoying being in friendship together. And more and more people looked in and said, I want what they've got. And more and more people were added, becoming disciples of Christ. When Jesus' followers opened themselves up, when we open ourselves up to the power of the Holy Spirit to pass along the message and the mission of Jesus Christ to our friends, to our family, to our city, to our nation, and to our world. Disciples are made, and the church gets formed. So we started out this message today by telling you that th these were Jesus' last words, right? They were his final words here on earth before he ascended to heaven. This is how Matthew recorded it, and we, we hear a little version of that in Acts as well. In Acts, we actually read about how Jesus literally was talking to disciples, and then he was gone. He ascended to heaven. They weren't, kind of weren't sure where he went. That was the last they saw of Jesus' body here on earth. And so we don't have stories from those disciples who were recounting the, the story of Jesus' life for us in, in the Bible. We don't know what happened next, but there's an old legend about what happened when Jesus ascended to heaven. And as the legend tells it, he was met by the angel Gabriel. Gabriel met him as he came toward the gates of heaven and they started talking and Gabriel said to Jesus, he said, Lord, you gave your life to save all the people on earth. Do they understand that? Do they know what you've done for them? And Jesus replied, no. Gabriel, not yet. As of now, only a handful of people in Palestine know anything about it. And Gabriel was surprised, and he asked, well, 
then how will all the others come to know what you have done? Jesus said, well, I've sent Peter and John and the rest of the 12 and and some others to, to tell people about me. Those who hear their message will still tell others until my story reaches the entire world. Gabriel knew a couple things about human weakness, so he had some doubts, so he asked. He said, Lord, I mean, what if they don't follow through? What if they keep your message to themselves and fail to tell others? What other plans have you made? And Jesus answered, I have no other plan. I'm counting on them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus has no other plan. So pass the torch. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.